0: Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Well, good morning, beautiful people. It's uh, wonderful to see you all again, and I hope that you're traveling well and having a great weekend. Welcome back to Annika and Michael and all the traveling Wilburys who made their way over to the U.S. Good to see you all back, and uh, if you are today with us for the first time, welcome. It's great to have you here. And I uh, hope that you are having um, a good weekend so far, and if for whatever reason not, I really hope that by the time you walk out of here today, you feel your heart uh, encouraged and strengthened and reminded that we do have a good God who, as Annika said, has got our backs, and He's looking after us, and if that's the case, then it doesn't really matter what life throws at you. If you've got a good God who's for you, it's going to be okay. And so I hope that you know that this morning. So we're kicking off this uh, wonderful new series entitled Entrusted. And I was thinking this week back to when I turned 21 years of age, which was about uh, 45 years ago. uh, My parents gave me a check for 21,000 Rand, which doesn't sound like a lot of money now, but it was a substantial amount of money back then. And, uh, And they bought me a new car. I know. Can you believe it? Like, how incredibly blessed is that, right? I I can see some kind of 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds thinking, I need to have a chat to mom and dad. But what was so incredibly, um, uh, I guess, uh, impacting and and what made that gift so profoundly moving and and so memorable was the fact that it was completely unexpected, right? I hadn't asked for it. I hadn't even hinted for it. Um, I certainly didn't do anything to deserve it. It was completely unexpected and, uh, and certainly undeserved. And I remember how incredibly grateful I felt for that very surprising um, but incredible act of uh, generosity on on the part of my parents. And I can remember once when I had received that car, how much I loved it and how well I took care of it. Like I would wash it literally weekly for the first year, and I wouldn't eat it, and I wouldn't let anybody else eat it, and I drove it so carefully, and I was always really careful about where I parked to try to avoid other cars and other things because I was so incredibly grateful for this kind of amazing gift, and I was thinking about that gift and uh, thinking about its impact on my life when I was preparing this week because this new series called Entrusted is all about the call of God on our lives to stewardship. faithful stewardship. And at the very heart of the series is a wonderful idea that was expressed beautifully by Peter, who was one of the very first kind of friends and followers of Jesus and a man who wrote three letters that are found in our New Testament. And Peter said in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he said, "'Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms.'" Let me read that again. He says, each of you, right? That's as inclusive as it gets. This is not for some of you or most of you or a few of you. This is for all of you, he says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So here Peter is firstly trying to get us to recognize that every single one of us have been on the receiving end of our heavenly Father's benevolence and kindness and generosity and goodness. Every single one of us have received a multiplicity of gifts that have come to us as an expression of God's love and as an extension of God's grace. And those gifts are not just an end in themselves. They are not just there to enrich us. They are there to empower us. They're not just there to bless us, they're there to enable us to be a blessing to others. And so Peter says we should use these gifts in a way that enriches and enhances and blesses and benefits the lives of others. Now, if you are not a follower of Jesus here today, if you don't consider yourself to be a believer, I guarantee you this is going to be the best news that you hear all week. Because the truth of the matter is you have a Heavenly Father who is not mad at you, who is mad about you. A heavenly Father who loves you and who wants to pour incredible goodness over your life. And that goodness includes everything from the ultimate gift and the greatest gift of all, which is the opportunity to have friendship and relationship with Him, all the way through to your daily bread and everything in between. Right, God has done everything possible for you and I to step into a daily, vital, personal, experiential relationship with Him. And then on top of that, God has so many wonderful things in store that He wants to pour out into your life. And all you have to do is be willing to say yes. And I guarantee you that our Heavenly Father is infinitely more generous and kind than any earthly father could ever be. Right? So Peter is saying here, firstly... God has been incredibly kind and incredibly good because he has lavished a multiplicity of gifts upon our lives. And he writes here to those who are believers and those who have become followers of Jesus. And he says, whatever gift you have received, whatever gift you have received, make sure that you take that gift and you use it to serve others. Because in doing so, you will be a faithful steward, right? And that's the goal here, to be a faithful steward of all that God has entrusted to you, all that God has given you, all that God has blessed you with as an expression of His love and His grace. Now, when I I hear that word stewardship, and I hear words like entrusted, there's another word that comes to mind for me that I think captures the inherent implication of those two words. And I know it's not a popular word. I know for some of you, it's like a swear word, but we're gonna use it today, even though we're in church. It begins with the letter R. And it is the word responsibility. All right, I know, groan. Oh, really? Okay. When some of you heard that we were going to be talking about the R word this weekend, I'm pretty sure you thought, oh, we're going to be talking about revival or renewal or rapture or something. But no, we're talking about responsibility. Okay. Now, I know that responsibility is not a popular word and it's not a popular concept. Firstly, because honestly, who wants to be responsible? With responsibility comes accountability and liability, and sometimes in life, it's just easier not to be responsible. So there's something in all of us that wants to avoid responsibility, and that's been the case from the very beginning of the human story. In fact, one of my uh, biggest challenges in life as a parent is trying to get my kids to accept responsibility. You know, sometimes I walk past their bathroom, and I'll see there's, uh, you know, wet towels lying on the floor, and I'll kind of yell out, who's left their wet towels lying on the floor? And they'll both yell out simultaneously, not me. I'm like, what's well, got to be someone's tower, right? Somebody take responsibility, right? Like we don't want to take responsibility as human beings. We have like an adversity to it, and we'd rather avoid it, right? But not only that, the reason why responsibility is such an unpopular kind of concept today is because we live in a day and age where everybody is obsessed with their rights, human rights and civil rights. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for rights. Rights are good. We have certain inalienable rights that should be upheld and respected. and Those rights are good. But for every human right, there is a corresponding responsibility. And you cannot exercise your rights unless you are willing to embrace your responsibilities. And the problem in our day and age is that we are teaching rights, but we are not teaching responsibilities. So if you have the right to procreate, and you do, you can have children and you can have as many as you want. But then that comes with a responsibility to feed them and clothe them and educate them and love them, right? You you have a right to study and get a degree, but then you have a responsibility to show up to class. And you've got to submit your assessments and you've got to do your reading and do your research and concentrate during the lectures. Uh, you have a right to get a license and drive on the road. But then that comes with a responsibility to drive according to the rules of the road and to do so in a way that respects other road users, right? For every right... There's a corresponding responsibility. And that simply is true of um, abilities as well. For every God given ability, there's a responsibility. So if I have the ability to uh, speak, then I have a responsibility to use my words in a way that is loving and affirming and encouraging and and is a source of life and blessing to others. If I have an ability to think, then I have a responsibility to direct my thoughts towards that which is good and right and noble and true and praiseworthy, right? For every God-given ability and right, there is a corresponding responsibility, and we have to embrace those responsibilities. So at the very heart of this idea of faithful stewardship – is the idea of embracing and accepting responsibility. You cannot be a faithful steward unless you are willing to say yes to responsibility, right? Now, I've come to realize a couple of things over the years about responsibility and the call to embrace it. And I reckon that if we are going to journey towards becoming faithful stewards of all the good things that God has entrusted to us, and if we're going to use them in a way that ensures that they are a source of life and blessing to others— as God is calling us to do here, then i realize realized there's a couple of things that we need to understand. And the first is this, that if you're going to be a faithful steward, you have to recognize what you are responsible for. You have to recognize what you are responsible for. Now, to be honest with you, this is not a difficult exercise. It's very easy to do. You just have to think, what is it that I am entrusted with? What has God placed in my care? For all the different roles in my life, what associated responsibilities are there? So whether you're a husband or a wife, a father or a mother, an employer or an employee, a friend, a minister, whatever role you have in life, there's a set of corresponding responsibilities. And so you have to identify them, clarify them, name them. And sometimes it's helpful to just sit down and literally write them out. Just create a list. Say, all right, well, these are the five or six roles that I play in life. And these are the corresponding responsibilities, right? This is identifying what you are responsible for. Now, As you journey through life, those responsibilities begin to change. When I was 16 years old, all I was responsible for was my bedroom and my homework and my sausage dog called Stretch, right? That was about the sum total of my responsibilities. But then I got a job and I got married and I had kids and all of a sudden, my world of responsibility grew. So as you journey through life, your responsibilities change. When you are five years old, you are your parents' responsibility. But when they are 95 years old, they are your responsibility, all right? Responsibility shifts as you kind of journey through life. So in every season of life, you've got to stop and ask yourself, in the season that I am in, what are my roles and what are the corresponding responsibilities? Now, to be honest with you, when you do that, you can find yourself feeling a little overwhelmed. If you sit down and you draw up a list of everything you are actually responsible for, based on everything God has given to you, You can end up feeling like, oh my gosh, am I responsible for all of that, right? So I've come to realize something else about responsibility, and it's this. If you are going to embrace it and become a faithful steward of it, then you have got to change the way you see it. You have got to see responsibility not as a duty, but as an opportunity. Because if you see responsibility as an obligation, something you have to do, you are going to resent it and regret it. But if you see responsibility as something you get to do, you are going to see it as an opportunity, and you are going to love it and embrace it, right? Um, as, a, as a husband, I don't just have a responsibility for my wife. I have an opportunity with my wife. As a father, I don't, I don't just have a responsibility for my children. I have an opportunity with my children, an opportunity to love, an opportunity to encourage, an opportunity to provide, an opportunity to bless, an opportunity um, to affirm, and an opportunity to grow. Listen, I remember a number of years ago, I was sitting on a, on a panel at a, at a conference, a young adults conference, and we were um, a group of pastors and leaders being interviewed about life and faith and that sort of thing. And somebody from the floor asked the question and said, uh, what is the one thing in your life that has been the biggest catalyst for growth? I thought, what a great question. And to take some time to kind of think on it. But as I did, I, I came to this moment of realization. You know what has been the single biggest contributor to growth in my life in whatever area of life it is? It's been accepting responsibility. That more than anything else has caused me to grow as a person, to grow as a minister, to grow as a follower of Jesus, to grow as a father, to grow as a husband. When you say yes to responsibility, it becomes a very powerful catalyst for growth. So growth is not, uh, sorry, uh, responsibility is not just a duty, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to love, to serve, to bless, to encourage, and ultimately to grow. So you've got to change the way you see it, have a different kind of perspective on it. So that's the first thing. You've got to firstly recognize what it is you are responsible for. Name it, identify it, clarify it. And then having done that, the second thing you've got to do is recognize who you are responsible to. Recognize what you are responsible for and then recognize who you are responsible to. And here's why this is so important, friends. Because recognizing who you are responsible to provides the motivation and the inspiration for embracing what you are responsible for right? Recognizing who you are responsible to provides the motivation and the inspiration for accepting and embracing what you are responsible for. And as far as I can see, our responsibility to extends in four directions. Firstly, we are responsible to those who have gone before us. Uh, There's a beautiful statement in Hebrews chapter 12 in, uh, in the opening few verses, in verse 1, the writer to the Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, that huge cloud of witnesses being referred to there, are all the heroes of the faith meant, mentioned in the chapter before in Hebrews 11, people like Abraham and Moses and David and Israel and Ruth, all those who have kind of died in the faith and gone on before us. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying, listen, the baton of faith has been passed to you by all these heroes of the faith who've gone before us. So now it's your chance to run well and to run with endurance. So the idea here is that we have a responsibility towards all those who have gone before us. People who have given, who have served, who have sacrificed, who have invested so that you and I can be where we are today. I think about it, the fact that we're sitting in this auditorium on these comfortable chairs with all this wonderful amenity and facility. It's only because there are people who have gone before us, who have given and served and sacrificed and invested and given up so that you and I can be on the receiving end of that sacrifice and that investment. You and I are getting to reap where we have not sown. We're getting to enjoy the the fruit of somebody else's labor. And we have responsibility to them. To, to take what they have left behind and to carry it into the future and to carry it well. We owe them that much. Right? We don't want to be the generation that drops the baton. Um, I, I remember hearing a story about a, a little girl who uh, walked into the kitchen one day, and she went to her mom and said, Mom, you know that um, that vase that you said has been in the family for the last 200 years? Her mom said, yes. She said, well, this generation just dropped it. <laughs> we don't want to be the generation that drops the vase, Okay. We don't want to be the generation that drops the baton. We want to be the generation that takes it from those who have left it for us. We want to run well. and We want to run faithfully into our future. So we have a responsibility to those who have gone before us. Um, we, secondly, have a responsibility to those who are coming behind us, those who are coming after us, the generations that will follow. We have a responsibility to our children and to our children's children and to our children's children's children, right? There's a very sobering statement that's uh, found in the Old Testament book of Judges in chapter 2. And if you know a little bit about the Old Testament history of the nation of Israel, you'll know that God had raised up a man by the name of Joshua who led the nation of Israel into the land of Canaan, which was like their promised inheritance. And after years and years of military conquest, they laid hold of that land and it became their possession. But then eventually Joshua and all his generation died. And listen to what it says in verse 10 and 11 of Joshua chap, uh, Judges chapter 2. It says, After Joshua died and that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Wow, what a tragedy. A whole generation coming up behind Joshua who had never been connected to their history or to their identity. And look what it says in verse 11 happened. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Because they had no connection to their identity and their history, their hearts became given over to idolatry. And what a tragedy that as successful as Joshua was as a military leader, he failed as a spiritual leader. Because he took possession of the land, but he never transferred the faith to the hearts of the generation that followed. And the truth of the matter is, we have a responsibility to the generations that are coming behind us, to take what God has entrusted to us and pass it on to them. There are five-year-olds and seven-year-olds and 10-year-olds down on the other end of the building who 15 and 20 years from now, are going to be doing what you and I are doing today. They're going to be the ones up here leading worship. They're going to be the ones hosting and the ones preaching and the ones leading our church and shaping our future. And I don't know about you, but I want to leave that generation a, a better heritage than the one we received. I want them to have more. I want them to have a better platform. I want them to have more resource. I don't want to leave that generation a mountain of debt. I want to leave them an, a heritage of faith and as much resource as we possibly can so that they can go further. They can reach higher. They can achieve more than you and I could ever imagine achieving. And that will be if we embrace our responsibility to those generations. So we have a responsibility to those who've gone before us. We have a responsibility to those who are coming behind us. Of course, we have a responsibility to those who are presently with us. In other words, right here, right now, there are people in your world, people in your circle of influence, who are going to be blessed or not, strengthened or not, encouraged or not, enriched or not by how you steward what God has placed in your hands. Uh, That's why in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, he says, each of you use whatever gift you have received to serve others, to serve others, because there are others in your world who should be on the receiving end of your service. You see, when, when I embrace my responsibility as a husband, I serve my wife well. When I embrace my responsibility as a father, I serve my children well. Uh, When I embrace my responsibility as a church member, I serve my church well. If, If I embrace my responsibility as an employer, then I serve my employees well. You see, embracing your responsibility is about taking the opportunity to serve, to serve others well. And there are others on the receiving end of our stewardship. So if our stewardship is going to be faithful and fruitful, it's going to be because those others are served well. There's like an others-centeredness to this, right? So we have a responsibility to those who are presently with us. And then finally, fourthly but not lastly, we have a responsibility to the one who created and called us. Right? We have a responsibility to the God who ultimately is the giver of these good and perfect gifts in the first place. And listen to what it says in Romans 14, verse 12. It says, "So then." Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Now listen, friends, that's not, so sp- not supposed to be like a, a kind of daunting, fearful expectation. right? Paul's not saying that because he wants you to kind of be afraid of what might happen the day you stand before the throne of God. That's not the case at all. Paul is just simply saying, you know, there is going to come a day when, when you are going to come face to face with your heavenly Father. And there will be a conversation about all that you have done with all that He has given. And you know, I think back to that gift that I received from my earthly dad. And I think about how I felt about it and the way I took care of that gift and the way I used that gift. And I realized the reason I was so careful with it and why I managed it so well and why I took such good care of it is it's not because I was afraid that my dad would be angry with me if I didn't, it was because I wanted to make him proud. I wanted to show him I can take this type of responsibility and I can be wise with it and I can be fruitful with it. I wanted to bless his heart. I wanted to encourage him because he had been so incredibly encouraging to me. So when Paul says there's coming a day when all of us are going to stand before our Heavenly Father and give an account for our lives, he's not trying to generate some fearful expectation in us. He's just saying, hey, there's coming a day when you're going to sit down with your Heavenly Dad and you're going to have a conversation about life and everything He entrusted into your hands. And I'm pretty sure that deep down inside of all of us, there's a longing and a desire to make our Heavenly Dad proud. Every single one of us want to be able to sit down with Him one day and say, yeah, you know what I did with all you gave me, I took it and I used it, and I used it to serve others, I used it to bless others, I used it to help others, I used it to empower others, I didn't just take all of that for myself, I used it to advance your kingdom, I used it to build the church, I used it to champion the gospel, I used it to show your love, I took everything you gave me, and I used it as best as I could to represent you well. I think deep down in all of us, there's a desire to have that. And then consequently, to hear the words of our Heavenly Father, say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You did well with what I entrusted into your hands. And so friends, right at the start of this series, as we get ready to deep dive into this idea over the course of the next few weeks, I want to encourage you this week to take the time to ask and answer those two questions. Number one, what am I responsible for? Take the time to identify it, clarify it, name it, write it out. What are my roles in life? And what are the responsibilities attached to those roles? And then secondly, ask the question, who am I responsible to? And again, I want to encourage you to put names to that list. Who's counting on me? be responsible who's depending on me to show up and be responsible whose life is potentially going to be impacted and influenced by my courageous decision to say yes to responsibility what's at stake here in terms of those people and their relationship with me and i think as you do that you'll sense the spirit of god begin to fan a fire of inspiration in your heart you'll feel the kind of motivation that you really need to feel and want to feel around saying yes yes to the call to be responsible with whatever gift God has entrusted to you care and friends that could include your time your energy your money your material resource your opportunity your position your status your title everything God has given you is a gift of love and an extension of grace And all of it can be faithfully stewarded in a way that serves and blesses others. And so over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the various aspects of life that God has blessed us with and empowered us with and what faithfully stewarding those areas of life looks like in order to ensure that they are a blessing to the nations of this world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more great resources and to keep yourself up to date, head to our website. Visit therocks.church.